got to do it himself. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. And DeBrosa, young, safe, and Washington wins it. Taking nobody home, picked off by Miller. Goes ahead, lanes on the other wing. He finds oh! live for the third episode of on the line college basketball podcast the date is january 18th 2022 the year of our lord and i'm joined by my host as always ben terrell ben how are you doing today doing excellent how are you doing i'm doing great um i know you're doing excellent because you went to the dean dome this weekend so why don't you tell the folks at that uh let's get that out the way uh, ben was on site for a little on-the-site journalism, if you will. We're uh, big Jays now. Yeah, it was great. Uh, the trip to the Dean Dome was incredible. I mean, I think it's the biggest college basketball arena in the country, bar the Carrier Dome. And yeah, I mean, man, Carrier Dome's got to be, that, but that doesn't count. This thing is like an NBA arena, man. It's It's legit. The seats are really nice. I mean, it's kind of in those NBA and arena types where it kind of goes straight up and all the seats are really good. The fans packed it out. It was a Saturday 8 p.m. game. They smacked Georgia Tech. I mean, it was never close, but, man, it's a great environment. Man, the streets are all shut down. People are walking through the streets going to the game. It's like a SEC football game day. It was really awesome. Chapel Hill is really fun. Ben, do you want to talk about the – most recent LSU game, the Tigers slipped up. It seems like every time we, we get to talk about the Tigers, uh, they don't do too well. You know, we talked about them going into the last week, uh, episode two, if you want to go back and listen to that and listen to episode one, where the audio isn't as crisp because now Ben and I have mics. Um, you know, we, we previewed that Auburn game and we, and we pretty much predicted a loss. And um, now we're recording – the new pod and LSU loses to Arkansas. Any thoughts on the game, Ben? Well, it was all going smoothly till about nine minutes to go. I mean, yeah. I was pretty impressed with the way they played. Alex Fudge that had to be his best game of the season, man, really contributing Tough. on the offensive end for the first time in a palpable way, really hitting his corner threes, which I, we haven't seen him even attempt many threes this year at all, much less make them. He's always chase, he always takes it strong in the basket, always plays great defense, but I was not expecting his contributions on the offensive end. But, man, I mean, not having X out there really hurt them there at the end. I mean, you just need somebody to have the ball in their hands, calm everyone down, distribute it to the right players, and get the basket when they need to. I mean, he's by far the best guy on the team, just isolation, dribbling, pull up, going to the basket, whatever that is, and 
Sometimes you just need that when you're struggling. You need a guy to just go get a bucket, and he's not out there. Yeah, they they needed an adult in in the room in that game towards then. They did not have someone who could weather the storm, calm everyone down. Um, there were several plays where, you know, I mean, I think of that backdoor pass that Tari threw where he had, I think it was Fudge going backdoor on the opposite wing, and he had someone flash into the high post, and it's like, unless you throw that ball at the rim, you're never going to get that through, that in the SEC especially, to get the ball from one wing to basically, you know, the box around the rim through traffic on a line. And it was the little things in terms of the passing that I really was kind of disappointed with in, in LSU. And, I mean, there was a couple – Gaines Gaines played awesome, so I don't want to rag on him too, too much. But there was a couple plays where he, he either gets caught in the air – without making a decision or he just throws the ball in no man's land and kind of relies on our athletes, which I've always said LSU's best when they quote unquote muck it up, but you can't, you can't self-inflict the muck, you know, you have to, you have to inflict the muck of the other team. You can't be the mucky one. Right. So, so I think there's a balance there. And unfortunately they, they got, they got caught napping at the end. I mean, this is what what are we in year five or six of Will Wade? And I think every single year you can pretty much point to three point shooting in terms of how you're gonna beat this team. And this year we've mentioned both episodes that their weakness defensively is really off makes in terms of transition. And you saw that a few times. I mean, there was a timeout early in the game where Wade's screaming his head off after that exact instant. So you know for a fact he knows that weakness and they definitely coach it, but Unfortunately, they weren't able to execute it. Man, they didn't score for like the last nine minutes of the game, and they still had a chance to win that game. I mean, they have the fast break with under two minutes left. They're down one. Tari gets the steal, goes. I mean, it's a three on one, and he tries to pass it all the way up to the guy. I don't know why he just he's he passed he's it too dangerous. early. He's the most dangerous kid in the floor yeah. with the ball in his hands. Like I don't understand why he didn't. Especially with a full head of steam. I mean, I uh, every time this year where you feel the PMAC, but also in terms of momentum as a, as a fictitious thing, right? And when I say fictitious, I don't mean that momentum is not real. I mean, more just it's intangible, but with Tari, you feel like that the, the, the highest LSU is momentum wise is when he's on the fast break and he just slams one home. And you saw that in that Arkansas game, he had that one where he went coast to coast and the help defender kind of came and he just did a one dribble pickup, slammed it. The PMAC was ready to erupt and the crowd kind of sensed, all right, this is, this is blood in the water. Time to put this team out of the way. And LSU unfortunately couldn't do that. And if LSU wants to take that, that next step, if you will, to kind of move from where they are, which I think is a B B plus tier college program and a B B plus tier college team and they want to move into the A minus A tier. When when you have a team against the ropes, you gotta you gotta push them off. And and I, I feel that far too many times LSU lets teams hang around. They will 
you know, I mean, I mean, I've heard announcers say it several times this year. Like, it's nothing. It's not a groundbreaking. It's not a groundbreaking analysis, but LSU always plays the same way, which is good. But at the same time, sometimes maybe if you're up nine, eleven, don't force everything. You don't have to like go for the jugular in in a sloppy way, but just keep playing clean basketball because you know this team's going to get defense stops. It's more of can they score one or two baskets once you're up nine, 12 points to really put the team out? Or can they avoid turning the ball over and not taking advantage of setting up their half-court defense? That's what hurt them in that game really too. I think they had 16 turnovers or something like that, and that's what Wade was talking about yesterday in his press conference. I mean, man, if we could just set up our defense every single time, even how good our defense is, it would be even better. I mean, right. you're giving teams free buckets when you're the best defensive team in the country. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like a pick six in football, right? I mean, if a team, let's say you had uh, Georgia this year, they gave up 13 points a game, but Stetson Bennett had seven picks, six, seven pick sixes over the course of the year. Well, Georgia's defense only gave up like, what, six points, seven points a game? So that's kind of how LSU's defense is when you think about how bad their offense is in terms of turning the ball over and just giving the other team the ball in a favorable position to score. But also, again, the transition buckets off of makes, it's like they, they, they score. They finally score, which has been a struggle with this offense, like we just said. And a team's immediately throwing the ball to, to an outlet and one pass score, one dribble score. That that kind of shows you the ways you have to beat this LSU defense and score the ball are pretty fluky. That's how good they've been. So, again, keep relying on that strength. And saying all that, man, at the end of the game, the Brandon Murray charge was not a great call by the refs, in my opinion, at the end. And then Milwaukee has the ball in his hands down – two or three, and it just, I mean, just fumbles it away, loses it. I mean, they st- they played so bad in those last ten minutes, yet still had two or three chances to steal that game back. I think it's how good you know, they are. I mean, Arkansas has played well. They've, they haven't been playing well this year. Yeah. They played a lot better than they've been playing. Note showed up in a big way, hit some huge he put, shots. Showed up in a huge way. Tony like, showed up. Williams, the center, hit a huge shot at the end. And you got to give credit to him for playing well. But, man, LSU played – Maybe their worst 10 minutes all season at the end and still could have beat them two or three times in the last minute. So I think it just speaks to how good of a team they are. And I'm not, I'm really not worried about, I mean, you're not going to win all your games in the SEC. These teams are good. Yeah. These teams like Arkansas and Mississippi State, some of those middling teams can beat one of these top tier teams almost every single night if they play well enough. They have all the talent in the world to do so. So I'm not really worried about it, especially without X. I think once you get X back, if you had a performance like this with him on the court, I'd be a little more worried because uh, he's supposed to be the leadership guy whenever you're coming down the stretch there and struggling. But not having him out there, I'm not really worried about it. And if he's back out there tomorrow night, I feel really good about our chances. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't have anything else to say. Hats off to Arkansas. And also, I think we're officially a college basketball podcast that we just can – we were just complaining about charge block calls. So before any Arkansas fans that maybe listen to this get on us, the refs were horrible both ways. College basketball refs are horrible. Oh, like, they're no, just that, I mean, they're bad. 
LSU lost because they didn't play yeah, well. Yeah. Saying, <laughs> yeah, that call was, goes both ways all the time. If it goes our right. way, we have two free throws down a point with like under a minute left. We could easily still win. Well, the, yeah. My problem with it was he was sliding his foot and he was also in the restricted area. Like his foot was sliding through the restricted yeah. area. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Even after he reviewed it, they upheld it. I was so surprised. But, I mean, that yeah. happens every single game. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, do you want to get into the SEC real quick? And yeah. you want to kind of talk about the conference as a whole? I mean, I know we've we we've done we, we did a comprehensive preview yeah, in one of the first episodes. But. Alabama first, I guess, since we play them next. Yeah. Um, Alabama is a team that can, you know, like a lot of teams in the SEC can beat anyone and can get beat by anyone. I mean, they beat Gonzaga this year, which is probably – one of the best wins by any team and probably the best win by an SEC team at this point, I would say. I mean, out of conference, I mean, Auburn beat LSU, but I, I mean more holistically out of conference. But then they lose to Memphis. They lose to Missouri. Right. Um, they lost their last game, Mississippi State as well. What, what are you – Two and three in conference. I guess coming into the season, what were your expectations for Bama? Because I, I think I thought that Noah Gurley, for one, was going to be a very quality player in this league, and that has not turned out to be the case. Even though he's had some really good games, um, their freshman big man, what's his name? I thought he was going to be better than he would than he's been playing too. Uh, Bidiaco, he's shown glimpses as well, but man, they just struggle to rebound the basketball. They struggle to defend their rim. Their guards are probably the best combination of four guards in the whole conference. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got Javon Quirley, Shackelford, J.D. Davidson. But also, they play in such a wild style that it kind of goes against them sometimes if they don't shoot well. I mean, Shackelford went one and nine from three in the last game. If they don't shoot well, things don't go well. If they get sloppy with the ball and turn the ball over, they don't really have answers on the defensive end. As good as their guards are, they're not really great outside of Davidson and staying in front of dribble drivers. I don't know, man. It's just a mess. I mean, I really don't think they can beat – they can make a run or beat really good teams without shooting the lights out. I just don't see how it happens unless uh, Gurley and Bidiaco just start playing so much better than they have been. And I mean, Which can definitely Bidiaco's happen. I mean, we've seen young, we've seen young. freshmen yeah. develop over the course I mean, of a Gurley's season. Gurley's not a freshman, and I don't expect him to improve that much, but he's had two or three really, really good games where he's contributed to them in a winning effort. So – We'll see where it goes. I mean, their guards are good enough to compete with anyone in America. So, we'll see. But, man, you can't be losing to Missouri. At, or it's at Missouri. But still, you can't be losing to Missouri. I mean, you just, that just can't happen. I think, I think one, Nate, Nate Oates is a great coach. So, I don't want to come across as he's not a great coach. But I do think maybe we rush the gun to Bama's going to be – a, a perennial powerhouse in basketball. I think they will be a very good basketball team for years to come, and I think they have a chance to see Final Fours and maybe even a national title in years to come. I say all that to say we maybe as a large college basketball, um, you know, viewing probably oversight had a little bit of an oversight on the losses of Herb Jones and John Petty, and I I do believe that losing those two guys is affecting 
their style of play because it's one thing to play the up and up tempo, shoot a lot of threes, you know, Hey, we're, if we're hot, we're hot and we're going to be great. And if we're not, then the game's going to struggle. But when you did that last year and you had Herb Jones and John Petty, two veterans in SEC play who have been there since, you know, the Colin Sexton days, right. And they've been in a lot of battles and they know how to make winning plays. They do a lot of the dirty work that maybe isn't getting done this year for Alabama. And I think that's kind of why they're struggling. I mean, I I don't, I haven't really looked at the three point numbers compared to last year, but I'd be interesting to see the dip. So I'm going to look that I'm going to look at that end. You know, if you have anything else to say about Bama before we preview the game. Well, I think the biggest thing about losing Herb Jones and John Petty is they they were cleaning up going the other way. You know, whenever you're running yeah. down the court, you miss shot, and then the team gets it. They're running back the other way. Right. And they were doing a lot of cleaning up on those defensive transition opportunities. Herb was doing a lot of getting to the rim, getting to the paint, and dishing out to these wide-open three-point shooters. And, I mean, John Petty played in the SEC forever. He's just giving you a ton of experience and leadership and – yeah, I think that's – but mostly on the defensive side, I think they're really missing those guys a lot. So in terms of adjusted offense, last year they had a one, uh, nearly 113 rating, which was 30th in the country this year. Now, granted, we've only played 17 games, but they're at a 117 adjusted offensive rating, and that's ninth in the country. Well, I mean, if you look at their numbers overall, they're shooting fine. I mean, it's their defense. Right, exactly. Occasion, I mean, every, every so game, they just won't shoot well at all. And, I mean, they still could have won this Mississippi State game without shooting well. Mississippi State went like 2 of 15 from three-point, and they still lost that game. It wasn't because of the three-point shooting. And for context, last year, their adjusted defense was 87.8. Lower is better in this case. Um, and that was third in the country. This year, their adjusted defense is nearly 96, and that's 53rd in the country. So a 50-spot difference will, you know, lead to 17 games being played, and you have six losses compared to 33 games being played last year, and you had seven losses. I mean, I think that's kind of why they're they're struggling. Do you you have anything else about Bama before we get into that preview and then kind of discuss Uh, the conference as a large? We can go ahead and start the preview of that game. Do you know what the spread is for this game at LSU at Alabama? I'm I'm asking you to guess. I'm looking at it. Uh, uh, Of course, I'm going to guess. I'm going to say it's probably Bama two and a half. It's Bama three and a half. Yep, there we go. I'd have to guess with this line, they don't think Vincent's playing. Bama, these, I mean, 3.5 is kind of healthy, like, and they had a similar right. line for Auburn, and they had a similar line on the road for Mississippi State. I mean, I don't understand how you keep making them the same line, and then they keep letting – I mean, they keep losing. So, I don't know. But I, I like the way LSU matches up with this team. I mean, they struggle, like I said, in transition defense. I think if we can get the ball out on the run, we can put up a lot of points in this game, honestly. I think we can dominate the boards on them. I think uh, Efton actually has really good matchups this game. I mean, he's been playing a lot of experienced bigs, and these are this is his chance to play guys who are his level of experience, and I think that he can actually have a pretty good game in this one. I think Tari, uh, I mean, we say this for a lot of teams, but there's no one on this team who can guard Tari. And I think if we get out on the run on this game, man, I think we could rack up a lot of points and – now, the one thing we can get scored on is the three-point shooting means Alabama every single game. If they shoot well, they can beat us by 20. But, 
most of the games this season, they have not been shooting lights out. And I think we actually match up pretty well if they don't shoot lights out. Yeah, and the guy that they have to absolutely hound is J.D. Davidson. I mean, anytime that anytime he has the ball in his hands, you have to be all over him. You have to be all over Quinterly. I mean, these point guards, while they are good, they they do have high turnover rates. I mean, yeah, they, they, they don't do a great job with the ball. Quinterly does an okay job. It's more Davidson and Shackelford and Ellis. Yeah, Quinterly, uh, let's see. I'm looking at the turnover rate numbers right now. Um J.D. Davidson will do the Russell. He always gets the Russell Westbrook comparison by the NBA draft dude who apparently is just like on call for all these games that are on ESPN. And it's so stupid. There's a college basketball game going on and they just talk about his NBA draft projection. It's horrible. Oh, he's he's Russell Westbrook. Yeah, he is Russell Westbrook. He does some really stupid things sometimes. So, (laughs) I mean, I I think this is is appropriate, right? Uh, So... uh, Minimum forty percent minutes played to qualify for turnover for turnover percentage. Do you want to guess who is dead last? Also, this is this is very troubling uh, with, with our Xavier Penson narrative. I'll just say that right now. Um, but do you know who is know. Penson hasn't been great with taking care of the ball this season? I mean, uh, well, he's been well, slightly so better. So you're saying who's last, like in terms yes, of who's so yes, who has the highest percentage of turnovers in the nation? No, an SEC play, just SEC. Uh, an SEC play. Um, is it J.D. Davidson? It is J.D. Davidson. He has a 29.7% turnover rate. That That's is not good. not good. That is nearly 30% of the time he is handling the basketball. He is going to turn it over. You have to be relentless whether, against him. I expect whether Pinson plays or not, I expect Gaines to be all over Quinterly all night. I think I mean that's yeah, their you guy. have to. That's their guy. That's who they depend on, because last year they had a bunch of guys who could dribble drive and kick to the corners and stuff like that. Shackleford usually stays more in the corners on the wings, catching and shooting. They rely on Quinley to handle the ball most of the time. So I think Gaines gonna be on him. Do you, uh, who do you think is gonna win this game, Casey? Well, before I tell you who's gonna win, I mean I'm just gonna highlight keys to the success for both teams, right? Bama, everything we've said against LSU all year long. Make your threes, get out in transition, run against them. But I will add one one other thing. And, and it it's hard to it's hard to analyze a game like this without it without it happening. But LSU and fouling are essentially I don't know the right word for it, but but it is it is a large part of how LSU games are played. If they are fouling early, you can essentially tell what kind of game it is going to be. And I don't even say when they're fouling because they they play the same style of basketball every single game. It's just more of a matter of are the refs calling what they are doing on a normal play-to-play basis of foul. And if they are, it usually doesn't bode well for LSU. Granted, LSU has a lot more depth this year than they have in years past. They can go 10 deep, and that's that's pretty impressive considering where they've been in years past, where it's you'll, you'll, you're lucky if they go eight. And for LSU, on the flip side, Tari and Darius Days have to be men inside. Those two have to have better games than they did last, last game. We're we're at the point in the season where I think we kind of know who Efton Reed is 
um, you know, without, without bashing the kid too much, he's probably not ready to play big time SEC minutes. And I know that kills ESPN because if you watch an LSU game on ESPN, all they want to tell you is that Efton reads a five-star and how great he is. But Tari Eason, this three-star from Washington is carving it up. And same thing with Darius days. And they really have to be the presence inside. They, they did not do enough to beat Arkansas last week. And give me, give me the Tigers. I, I don't, I don't see LSU slipping up twice in a row, even with, even without Pinson, because I'm going to assume he's not playing. The guy I really think is going to have to step up in this game is going to be Alex Fudge, or it's going to be the platoon of Alex Fudge and Mawani Wilkinson. Those are two very similar players, and those two, if if they are. If they're playing with that energy and that tenacity that they like to play, but if they're also hitting the, the, the threes and could potentially give you 14, 15 apiece and maybe 11 rebounds, two or three steals, some dunks, that is a winning formula for LSU. So give me the Tigers. I'm going to say 64-60. Uh, I mean, I agree with a lot of things you said. I think LSU is going to have to pound the ball inside in this matchup. If they get in a perimeter shooting contest, they're going to lose like most of their games, but especially with this game. If they succumb to Alabama's offensive pace where they run up and down and forward and shoot the basketball quickly, it's not going to go well. And LSU has to prove that they can hire – so they can play well in a hostile environment. I mean, I know Florida's a hostile environment, but they didn't score a lot of points in that game, I and mean, they toughed it out defensively against a team that was struggling offensively, and I think you're going to score a lot more points. I don't think they got out of the 60s in that game, did they? Or the barely got out of the 60s in the Florida I mean, game? They, you're gonna have to get they, they barely got out of the 60s. I think they're going to have to get in the 70s to win this game. I wow, expect, okay. I expect one of Alabama's best games all year. LSU never plays well in Coleman Coliseum. And Alabama, it actually scares me more that Alabama has not been playing well up to now. It just feels like well, that's what that's what scared like, me with Arkansas. Yeah, it just feels because like because Arkansas was slipping. Them. I mean, I'm looking down the list here, and I think Alabama's won three straight at home versus LSU. And man, I think I think they're going to play well. I think they're going to shoot well. So give me Alabama, seventy-five to seventy-two. Okay. Would you say um, this is this is completely random? I mean, the SEC is so known for their football rivalries, but basketball, we don't really have any rivalries in basketball. I mean, I guess Kentucky, Tennessee seems like they kind of Auburn, Alabama has been a big deal this year. The game in Auburn was selling for like two hundred dollars a ticket. Apparently, the game in Alabama was selling for even more. Like, I think that is a big deal this year. But you're right. Outside of that. I don't think there's really that many other rivalries. Yeah. And, and that's something where if the SEC wants to step up and be considered a, a quote-unquote basketball conference, right? I mean, obviously, they're always going to be a football conference first, and so is so is every conference news flash. But if they, if they can start focusing more on rivalries and maybe hyping rivalries up, it could it could draw some some more attention because that is one thing that is missing. Although I guess you could just say every game's a rivalry because you play everyone. But I say all that to say, and the reason I brought it up, Ben, I have to highlight 
that game the last you know last time i went to the bam lsu game when it was was it colin sexton was playing against tremont and and yeah i mean I, I think the whole stadium was about a fight uh was avery johnson still coaching then he was yeah he was coaching then i mean and then the game that was two or three years ago but the game yeah. last year where they just came in oh yeah and kicked our butts man oh yeah by maybe 30 points i mean they came out hit like their first 12 threes oh, yeah. or something insane like that if i had to pick a rivalry for lsu basketball it would be alabama yeah that's and that's like nate oates and will wade like each other very much at all i mean will wade doesn't like a lot of people but he i mean after the auburn game you know he's he's saying good things about bruce pearl and stuff and well like i mean I never think, heard him say a good thing about nato i think him and bruce pearl, i think uh will wade and bruce pearl probably share some business tactics mm. <laughs> i don't think i don't think uh and, and i like nato's i mean obviously i like nato's because of what he said last last year against uh coach k you know would, would coach k would coach k be trying to cancel the season if his team was any good uh, probably not nato's but Let's let's get into the SEC as a whole, and you know I know we've done the preview, but if you were to if you were to give tournament teams at, at this point, and also teams where you could see them hosting up that beautiful beautiful employee of the month trophy, that is the NCAA basketball championship trophy. I mean, I think most of the teams that we kind of highlight in the preview have been performing like we thought. I mean, the only team I would leave out from teams I thought could win it all before we started talking about is Tennessee. I just don't like the way Tennessee's playing offensively. I don't think they have it. You know, they transition to this new style where they shoot more threes and try to move the ball faster, but it's resulted in far less points. And I just don't think they have the shooters for that kind of offense. I mean, they have Josiah James Johnson, whatever his name is. Dude's six foot eight, lefty really smooth to the basketball. I mean, he's shooting almost all his shots are three-pointers, and I don't know. It's just not working in Tennessee. I mean, they're up by six right now with under two minutes to go against Vandy. They went hey, Vandy's overtime. spicy now. Yeah, but they have 60 points against Vandy. I mean, uh, they, they went to overtime with Ole Miss. They looked terrible in the LSU game. I, I don't, I'm out on them as far as – I mean, they're going to make the tournament out of them as far as national title contenders, so – that leaves me with LSU, Kentucky, and Auburn. I think any three of those teams can make a run, really. I mean, Kentucky, Tashui Blaze. I mean, watching him in person was insane. He's made of steel. I mean, Eft the first time Efton got the ball and tried to back him down, and he didn't move at all. Efton looked like he just seen the boogeyman. I mean, it's insane, dude. <laughs> and then and then Tashui Bay had a couple runouts with the basketball. I'm like, this dude's so fast. And then at the end, he caught – caught Tari in the little throw out. I mean, the kid's incredible and uh, Wheeler's been really good for them. They have good shooters. They have really good players. And then well, we've talked enough about Auburn. I think they're the best team in the country. But as far as tournament teams, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think I'm looking at seven tournament teams. I'm looking at Auburn A&M, who's 4-0 in the conference right now. Kentucky, Mississippi State, LSU, Arkansas, Alabama, and Tennessee. I don't like the direction Florida's headed. I think they're oh, – I don't like the direction they're headed I mean, either. They're on the bubble right now, according to Lenardi and a lot of guys like that, but I don't like the direction they're headed. I think Tennessee's going to limp in. Alabama's going to limp in. 
I think Arkansas is headed the right direction, though. I think they're going to continue to play better. Their coach will come back in a couple games. Note has started to really step up for them. I think they get in. And, man, as you know, I've been infatuated with this A&M team all year, man. This is the first Buzz Williams A&M team that I think has really took the identity of their coach. And they're 4-0, and they've played the two worst teams of the conference. So it's not, like, very impressive 4-0. And then the other two wins were Arkansas – they played really well and then Ole Miss but they embody Buzz Williams they work hard they play they play really good team basketball they have these three transfer guards that have melded really well together and they have the um, transfer big guy from Duke Coleman and I think they'll do enough to get in I think they've played enough well against these lower tier SEC teams where they beat up on them and I think they'll steal some of these games I mean they play Kentucky tomorrow at home I wouldn't be surprised if they won that game I mean, I don't know if they can hold up against the Shui Bay on the inside, but their guards have been really good enough this year to match up with their guards. They play Arkansas again. They play LSU. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat LSU or anything like that. Tennessee, I wouldn't be surprised if they won any of these games, and I think they're going to do enough to get themselves in. Do you want to give a seed for each of your seven tournament teams? Because I'm, I'm going to. All right, Auburn's going to be a one seed. Yeah, I, I also have Auburn Auburn's as a one seed. Auburn's going to be number one overall seed in my eyes. I mean – I, I agree. I haven't with that. seen them play a bad game yet. This is 17 games in. I haven't seen them play a bad game yet. They lost a game to UConn, which was a, just a triple OT game on acid. But they couldn't won three times. It was Jabari Smith's second game of his collegiate career, and he still played well in that. If they played him today, they would crush UConn. But I think they're going to be my one overall seed. Um, give me Kentucky as a four. Give me LSU as a three. I have Kentucky and LSU both as threes. Give me A and M as a. Give me A and M as a. Ten. I also have A and M as a ten. Give me Arkansas as a nine. I also have Arkansas as a nine. Alabama as a seven. Tennessee as an eight. I have Tennessee as a seven. I have Bama as a six. The, the the committee loves Bama. I could see Bama getting all the way up to a five seed. They're gonna really value that. That win against Gonzaga. I forgot Gonzaga. about Mississippi State, but give me Mississippi State in the first four. I was just about to say Mississippi State's. Give me Mississippi State in the first four. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of talent, man. And, I mean, I was very impressed the way they played against Alabama. Iverson Molinar is going to be one of the best players on the court in most of the games they play. I mean, he's a really good guard, and I think they'll do enough to get there. I mean, they're sitting 12-4 right now, so it's not like they have to do a ton of work to get in. I think they're – I haven't been paying attention to them in the bracket projections, but – I mean, They're 40th in Ken Palm, which is that's pretty good. I mean, they, pretty, they play a pretty good brand of basketball. And uh, they also played. They, they went out and played some some decent teams in in non con. They beat they, they beat Richmond, which is a, a pretty win. solid win. They did lose to Louisville. They lost to Minnesota. They lost to Colorado State, but they beat I mean, Furman. They beat just absolutely killed them. They right, beat Winthrop. Yeah. yeah, and they and they beat Bama last week. I mean yeah. that that Bama win is. They're, very good. They're two and one in the conference. They also have a big uh, resume padding opportunity. They play Texas Tech in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. Right. Uh, so Florida is going to be my first four out, um, and Mississippi State is going to be my first four in. But I mean, the the SEC is potentially looking at seven to nine tournament teams, and someone a team that I think is a lot better than than we're giving them credit. We we kind of we tend to gloss over them. They're ten and six. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's. I mean, I I get it. 
yes, they're 10 and six. Haha, it's Vanderbilt. But when you look at their losses, the, the really bad ones are Temple and South Carolina. But to have a loss to Loyola Chicago, that's not a bad loss. They had a loss to VCU. That's not a bad loss. Scoring 37 points, that's bad. But, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I mean, they lost to Kentucky. That's a good – they they beat Arkansas. They beat BYU. They beat Pitt. They beat Winthrop. They beat Texas State. I mean, they're, they're a lot better than they happen in years past. And Jerry Stackhouse is starting to get that that program trending in the right direction. I do think he's going to be able to recruit. I mean, look, if you're if you're one of the 40 best basketball players in the country and you have a shot to go play big time division 1 basketball in Nashville, pretty cool city, and you get to play for Jerry Stackhouse, who wouldn't want to jump at that opportunity? It you know, it's and and look, I get it. It's Vanderbilt. They're they have they have academic restrictions, but still, it's a lot. You know, I mean, Will Wade said it on a rival podcast. We're not we're not giving anyone any shine, but Will Wade said it on an interview where it's a lot easier to get five or six quality players who can play in the SEC at in basketball than it is to try to do that in football. And he's he's damn right. I I think I mean what in three. No, I'm not even gonna say. I'm, I'm saying less than two years. Dandy's gonna make a tournament. That's gonna be my hot take. Yeah, it hasn't been unheard of like in the last decade or twenty years or so. They've made they've made some teams oh, yeah. and had some good teams. And I think you're right. And I think that's the same argument I've been using with the HBCUs. I think they're just right. a couple years away. I mean, all you need is like three really good basketball players, yeah. Howard or something like that, and they're really good. Speaking of Howard, Howard's actually a pretty good team this year. They uh, yeah. They played Notre Dame on MLK Day and almost beat them, but I think you're right. I think Vandy's not far at all. I think Scottie Pippen's going to help them get more. Seeing Scottie Pippen, one of the best players in his recruiting class, go there and have a good career, and he's going to get drafted probably first round, I would have to guess, just because of his scoring ability. And uh, I think that's going to help him. He's starting to develop. Like the Vandy's playing, but you're not saying Vandy's going to make the tournament, are you? No, 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 no. I was just saying, I think Danny's trending the right direction, and I wouldn't be surprised if they got a Missouri over Alabama style win. I wouldn't be surprised either. Like, I think a big win. said, I mean, every time they play, they're going to have one, if not the second or third best player on the floor. Yeah. And also, if you go play at Vandy, I mean, that's a home field advantage with the weird court. I mean, the players are so discombobulated the first half. They don't. They don't know. What, they don't know where they're playing at. Um, but yeah, all right. That's enough. That's enough SEC talk. We. I mean, we, we could talk. We could talk SEC basketball and SEC sports all day long. What's what? What big time conference do you want to go to next to preview tournament teams and and you know give the folks a little glimpse look at at the conference as a whole? Uh, I was going to start with the Big Twelve. And one of my favorite teams, you're in and out, and it's Baylor, who I watched play today. They've had a very good win without two of their key rotation players. Yep. And, and, um, they came off the last few games they lost before this game, but mm-hmm. I'm not really worried about them at all, man. I mean, they have so much experience, so much – they play great defense, but all can also shoot the ball really well. And I still am going to take them in the Big 12 to win this conference, and I'm still going to take them, I think, to be a one seed in the tournament. 
Um, not really. I mean, Kansas has been playing really well, but I would take Baylor over Kansas. I think Kansas can be probably a two seed as well. I think they're going to glide into the tournament. Texas Tech is going to make the tournament. Texas is going to make the tournament. Uh, some of these other te- Iowa State's going to make the tournament. Some of these other teams, man, it's just a toss up. I mean, it's just if they get hot at this is at the right time. I mean, Oklahoma has a bunch of offensive talent. They play well at home. But they're so inconsistent. West Virginia, kind of the same thing. They play really well at home. They have a ton of – I mean, they have McNeil and Taz Sherman who could score the ball day in, day out, and, but just so inconsistent. TCU, kind of the same way. I mean, there's a – the thing about this conference, is there's no layups in this conference. I mean, no. if I think Kansas State's the worst team, Kansas State just, just got an upset at home over Texas Tech, and they beat Texas tonight. So they're coming off two ranked wins. Knocking off two of the best teams in this conference. There's no – this might be the – this has to be the deepest conference. I mean, I'm just looking at it right now, but, man, there are no layups in this conference. This is hell day in, uh, night in and night out, especially some of these venues have to go to. You got to go to Morgantown. You got to go to Norman. I mean, it's just not fun at all. But give me those teams. I guess give me West Virginia out of those other teams to make it. But, man, I wouldn't be surprised if – Four of these bottom teams in the Big 12 were on the bubble going in the last two. You want to hear something? You want to hear something scary? So again, the Big 12, uh, they don't, they don't, they're not great at math. Um, you know, excuse them. But there's actually 10 teams in the Big 12. So, yeah. of the 10 teams in the Big 12, do you want the the lowest team on Ken Palm? Kansas State. I'm not sure. No, it is TCU. They are 63rd. And TCU is 12 and two. Yeah. So, I mean, all 10 of their teams are 63rd. All of them have a a winning record on this season. All of them have two wins in the conference. Right. I mean, Oklahoma State's 46th. West Virginia's 47th. Oklahoma is 32. Iowa State's 27. Texas is 17. Texas Tech's 14. Baylor's 2. Kansas is 7. I mean, as much as I love the SEC, Oh, to me, this is this is I mean, this is the best conference. Georgia and Vanderbilt. I mean, the bottom three of this conference is way better. Yeah, so I actually have nine. I have nine uh, tournament teams for them. So um, who's not going to make it? I'm going to say Oklahoma State gets left out because I I think aren't they serving a suspension? <laughs> <laughs> so, I think you're right. I'm pretty sure they are. Just coming off a win off of Baylor. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, so right. I think. So I'm gonna Kansas say. I do. I, I think Kansas State's gonna be a first. That to me, Kansas State, Mississippi State's gonna be the, gonna be the game. I'm worried about. I'm just worried about some of these teams just cannibalizing each other. I mean. I mean, at some point it has to happen, down, right? That's kind of what I wrote down in my notes that there's a ton of these teams that can make the tournament, but man, I feel like they're gonna cannibalize each other and. One, maybe two coming out of this bottom. Yeah. I, I, yeah. All right. Maybe, I'll say. You in West Virginia. I think Oklahoma State is eligible. I think Oklahoma and Kansas State go up. Oklahoma yeah. I'll, I'll say. I'll say Oklahoma doesn't make it. It's going to be Kansas State against Mississippi State in that play. And I have. Here's my. Here's my seeds. I have Baylor as a one seed. Kansas as a two seed. Texas Tech as a four seed. Iowa State as a five seed. Texas Tech. Uh. 
I had him as a seven. I'm actually going to change him to a six. I think I think Texas Tech's going to start to pile up some of these wins against the bottom half of the league, which again, that's that's actually impressive when you consider how good the bottom half of the league is. I have West Virginia as a nine seed, TCU as a ten seed, and Kansas State as my first four in. I agree with all those except I don't have Iowa State lower. Well, would you have Iowa State? I would have Iowa State in eight nine game. Really? Okay. I don't think yeah, I, I mean, Iowa State's going to start to... Their offensive limitations just hinder them in a lot of these games. I mean, I think... I don't know if they broke 50. To, I mean, I don't think they broke 60 tonight against Texas Tech, who's a great defensive team. I mean, I think... You know, I mean, this is extremely as of now. Yeah. I, I would say... I would. I will agree with you. I, I do think come March, they probably are on that 8-9 line, maybe even a 10 seed. Mm-hmm. Right now, I would have them as a 5-6. But I mean, yeah, the, the the two best conferences by far are the Big Twelve and the SEC. I think. Well, I think right behind them is, is the, the Big, Big Ten. Ten. And talk Big Ten. I, I, let's talk about the Big Ten. I I personally think the Big Ten's that the what what fans think of the SEC in football in terms of oh, it's all propped up against each other and it's all fraudulent. You know, that's probably how I feel about the Big Ten. I don't can any of these teams in the big t- oh also we forgot to we forgot to mention uh, teams that could win the tournament so I believe Baylor could win the tournament I believe Kansas could win the tournament and that's it I I, I really second there I you, you're gonna throw Texas second there, there? because they're gonna be one of the defensive best defensive teams in America and they have guys that just get hot out of nowhere I mean the Adonis Arms kid. Has done this a couple. It didn't really yeah. play before the Terrence Sharon and Shannon injury. Oh, well, you know how I feel about Terrence Shannon. Although that. Terrence Shannon's gotten a lot better this year, yeah, so he, I'm glad. I'm glad he came back and he's improving. Player, but he is. Man, he came in that Baylor game, lit it up, and then he hasn't looked back. And they just have two or three Kevin McCullers. They just have two or three guys like that. Or man, they just come out of nowhere and scored a lot of points. I would. I put Texas Tech in the sleeper. You know that that five to seven seed that makes a run. I would put them in there. Okay, so as of now, Auburn, Kentucky, LSU, Baylor, Kansas, all could definitely win the, win the tournament. And you're going to go ahead and throw Texas Tech in that as well. In there. That's and, fine. Uh, in the Big Ten, man, I would throw four teams in that mix. Really? I would throw, I would throw Wisconsin. I would throw Illinois. I would throw Ohio State. I would throw Purdue in that mix. And I'm leaving out Mississippi State. I mean, Michigan State is the 14th team in the nation. They're going to be really good. But I haven't seen enough dynamic play from them that I think they can do it. I think Ohio State, they're not very dynamic either. But, man, just the fact they have Liddell on their team just gives me faith in them. And, man, they play such good defense. And really all you need is one guy. If you play that good defense, like if LSU had Adam Miller this year and they just played that good a defense, Man, they would be even tougher as they are right now. But they just have that one dude who can just get 30-35 just out of the blue, and that's him. And they play great defense behind him. Illinois is – Illinois, man, I was so surprised that Coburn got murked by uh, Zach Eady the other day, but he's going to be a force in every other game he plays against not a 7-3 giant. And uh, Corbello came back the other day. Man, he played so well. 
Uh, they, yeah. They just have shooters. That's my main thing with them. They have shooters. They can just shoot the lights out of nowhere with Frazier and with Plummer. I mean, those guys have no shame at all. They will shoot it from whenever, wherever, especially Plummer, man, when get hot. I think he was 6-12 to 12 last game. I mean, Wisconsin is going to have Johnny Davis on the floor, and I think they can win with Johnny Davis on the floor. I'm very concerned about their bigs against teams that actually have really good bigs. But, I mean, Johnny Davis is playing like one, if not the best top three players in America. And then, I mean, Purdue, Purdue can just score 100 points. <laughs> I mean, that helps a lot. And they have three guys who are going to be incredible matchup problems for anybody who plays them. And Trevion Williams, who has all the post moves of just a 1980s big man with the silky smoothness and athleticism of a modern day athlete. And then Zach Eadie, who's seven foot three and has really the last couple, I almost had him as my player of the week just because the last couple games, he is just really, it seems like he's understanding how to use his body even more this year where he's being really, really patient down low and realizing no one's going to take the ball from me, really. Like, I have the ball way far away from this guy, and I'm just going to get to my spot. If it takes me two or three dribbles, if it takes me a turn back and then turn back the other way, I'm going to get to my spot. And then Jaden Ivey, who is probably college basketball's John Morant. I mean, kid's just insanely dynamic. Hasn't been shooting the ball well lately at all, but still finding a way to score the basketball. How many, how many tournament teams you got? Man, on my notes, I wrote down could have ten, but probably cannibalize each other. Give me Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue, Rutgers, Indiana. No, Iowa. get out of here with Rutgers. Rutgers Indiana. doesn't have a shot. No, Indiana and Iowa, and I, 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 I don't think any of the other teams, even though Penn State is kind of interesting, but I'm not ready to call Michigan dead. I'm just not. They have. Two I actually have Michigan in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, they're 8-7 and seven right now. It's going to be tough, but they're just not dead. They just haven't had all their talent on the floor together. They haven't had Brandon Johns out there a lot. They just got Dickinson back tonight. I think he had a monster game. They killed Maryland, which I expected to kill Maryland, but I don't think they're going to make the tournament. I think they're just set back a little bit too far, and, I mean, there's five teams that are just way better than them in terms of talent, I think. And I don't know if they're going to pick up enough wins. I, I have pushback on Rutgers, man. Rutgers has one of the best home arenas in the conf- I mean, in the nation, I think. And they have a lot of their hard games at home. And I think they can really pick off some of these teams. They get Michigan State, Ohio State, and Illinois, and Wisconsin at home. And they only have to go to Purdue. And all they don't play any of those other top five teams on the road. And I think they'll pick off enough of them to get in the tournament. Now, they play terrible away from their home arena, but they play awesome at home. They play great at home. They already knocked off Purdue at home, and uh, I think they'll, they'll pick off enough teams to get in. Their non-con's horrible. Oh, it's terrible, but I think – but there's going to be so many opportunities. I mean, they're going to play all four of these teams who are top 20 teams, and they're going to be able to get some big resume wins, I think. No. No chance. No chance. I have – let's see. So I have eight, eight teams. Eight. Yeah, so I have eight teams. I have, I have a different eight than you. Um, do you want to give the seats for your eight? Yeah, give me Wisconsin as a four. Give me Illinois as a six. Give me Michigan State as a four. Give me Ohio State as a five. Give me Purdue as a – give me Purdue as a two. 
And then Rutgers playing game, Indiana 10 or 11, Illinois. Uh, Indi- Indiana and Iowa 10 or 11, somewhere in there. Playing game around the edge. The other thing is for these teams, like those bottom-tier teams in Big Ten, they're going to have so many good opportunities in the Big Ten tournament to get more quality wins. Yeah, the Big Ten tournament. Don't even get me started on the Big Ten tournament. That is the ultimate prop fest. Just just propping teams up to, to a T in that one. Um, and again, conferences hate, hate math, and they hate geography. So a friendly reminder that the Big Ten has 12 teams in it. Yep. My... I have Purdue as a one seed. Um, Purdue can win it all. I'm a bit, again, I've said, I've pretty much made it abundantly clear. I'm a Big Ten hater. I, I probably think Purdue is the only team that can realistically win it all. That being said, I, I will have Wisconsin on the list. I will have Michigan State on the list. Um, and I can't, I can't put Illinois on the list after what they did last year. How do you how do you watch the same Princeton set, the same back cut from Crutchwig over and over and over again until you until you pressure him? I mean coffee Kofi Corbone just sat under the basket and they did the same thing over and over again. I, I don't I don't trust Brad Underwood to make any sort of adjustments. And I, I mean, I love Corbello. I think, I think Corbello's a freak. That guy can, that guy can fill it up. So I wouldn't be surprised if they made it to like the lead eight or something. I, I, I can't trust them to actually win it all. I just had to put them on there. I think what's different this year is they've adjusted their style of play a little bit and they kind of remind me of Alabama, but with Coburn. I mean, Frazier yeah, and Plummer will just move the ball around, shoot a bunch of threes. and they I love Trent Frazier. Trent Frazier's awesome. Trent Frazier will take it to the rim, unlike Plummer. Oh, yeah. And then Corbello, man, they're still if, – if I wouldn't have watched that Purdue game the other day, I think I would think a lot definitely. But yeah. Corbello, I mean, fresh off not playing for two months, just looked so damn good. That's true. The basketball. I think that's what they were missing, just a guy to just have the basketball in his hands and distribute a little bit. They love to run Plummer off a of back screen. Coming off, yep. shooting a, a, oh, yeah. a wing three, and I don't know, man. I just feel like they have a lot of dudes that can get hot. And if you don't have a big man, Coburn's just going to eat them. In in our previous episodes, Ben, we did all conference teams. This is probably going to be the most contentious all conference team. And if if you were to do some sort of all star style tournament at the end of the season, where you took the conference teams from each conference. I mean the Big Ten. The Big Ten's loaded. You're gonna have Trace Jackson Davis, Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray, Keegan Murray, Ron Harper Jr., Ron Har- uh, Jaden Ivy. We're not even mentioning Jaden Ivy. We haven't even Johnny mentioned Cor- Corbello. Uh, you know, twelve year senior Brad Davidson. I, I mean the Lindell. the Big Ten. Yeah, just yeah. So many good players. There's a lot of good players in the in the Big Ten and a lot of versatile players, some throwback players, athletic players. The Big Ten, I will say that about the Big Ten compared to the other conferences, there's much more contrasting styles and and teams play a different style of ball compared to each other. It makes it really fun to watch. I mean, Purdue and Iowa wanna wanna score a hundred. Fran Fran every single night. 
Oh yeah. I don't think Fran McCaffrey's run a run a defensive drill in about about twenty years. No, but he has Keegan Murray, so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iowa I will fill it up. Don't don't think because they lost Luca Garza, Iowa's going anywhere. They're they're a hell of a team. So between okay, little little analysis for you folks at home. Between the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, we have twenty-four projected conference like projected teams to make the tournament from those conferences. I think that's probably a little too high. I well, recognize that. To start with, yeah. 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 I, I reckon. And uh, we're just saying that they're good enough to make the tournaments. They're just going to, like I said, earlier, right. some of them are going to cannibalize each other too yep. much. There will be, there will be some, you know, eating of each other. The middle, the middle might tighten up a little bit. The end might start to fall off, but let's, let's go to a conference, Ben where when you think college basketball, maybe this conference for a lot of people is the first conference that comes to mind. However, this year in 2021-2022, this conference, uh, I apologize for the lack of analysis, it sucks. I mean, the ACC is not a good basketball conference this year. Why is that? What, let, I mean, you, you watch more college basketball than anyone I know. I mean, people people get paid to do this for a living, and they don't watch as much college basketball as you. Why is the ACC so bad? They're usually one of the deepest conferences in the nation. They usually have one, if if not the most bids out of any single conference. Mm-hmm. But man, some of these teams, once you get past the top three or four teams, they're just there's just nothing special about them. I mean, they all have extreme deficiencies. There's not a ton of incredible players on these teams. I mean, you say Buddy Beheim on Syracuse, but I don't think you can name anyone. Paolo Bancaro. No one can name a player on Boston College, Pitt, no, Clemson. Yeah. I mean, Seaborn plays for NC State, but they're terrible. No one can name a player for Virginia Tech or Louisville. I mean, some of these teams are just bad, and I, I'm struggling to find – it seems four teams that I'm very confident in they're going to make the tournament. Uh, Miami, no, I will say Miami's been a huge surprise this year. Miami plays really good basketball, I like the way they're playing basketball. And uh, I was going to bring up Miami and Duke. I definitely have in. I think UNC finds a way in. It seems like they have too much talent not to find their way in. Man, they have too much talent on offense. They have really good shooters. And they have uh, Baycoat and Manic, and I think they find their way in. And then my other team would be Florida State. Um, these other teams like Notre Dame and Wake and Louisville, they would not surprise me if they made it at all. But they can't put together two good games in a row. I mean, none of these teams, the ACC can, not even really Duke, can put a couple games in a row. Just watch mm. Duke lose to Florida State. Yeah, Duke just lost to Florida State. <laughs> and, I mean, they just can't piece a couple good games in a row together. And so I think Duke and Miami are really the only ones who are going to be going into the last week knowing they're going to be playing in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, the the, the title of this episode is going to be Parody, Parody, Parody because that's what college basketball is this year. It's, it's going to be awesome, which means that, you know, knock on wood, but the tournament's probably going to get canceled. Um, because the, the hindsight on the 2020 season is hilarious. I love how Kansas has just anointed themselves as the undisputed 2020 uh, NCAA champs. But yeah, I the, the team that I've really have just 
been very disappointed with because when, I mean, I was talking about LSU being in that B plus B tier, right? I think Florida state coming into the year would have been in that a, a minus tier to me. And they've now granted, they just picked up a massive home win against Duke, but they usually dominate their non-con They'll be 60, 70 percent in they lost to South Carolina. Yeah, they, they, they lost they lost to South Carolina in the non-con. They squeaked by Tulane. You know, congrats on the Missouri win. They got shell-shocked by Purdue, lost lost close game to Syracuse. I just but, I just have faith in Leonard Hamilton. I think He's well, going to guide what, this yeah. team through this uh, these last two months, and they'll pick up enough wins, I think, to get in. They don't really have any – I mean, I guess South Carolina's a really terrible loss, but, you know, they don't yeah. have a loss to some terrible mid-major team or something that's going to really set them back. Yeah. I mean, to me, the two two of the most underrated coaches in all of college basketball reside in Florida and in Leonard Hamilton at Florida State and Jim Laranaga at Miami. I love I love what Laranaga has done at Miami. Miami is a very good basketball program. I'm, you know, I'm a little surprised how easily people wrote them off and I get it. Yes, they lost to UCF, but the other losses were to Dayton UCF's on a neutral. A yeah, UCF's a good team. So, I mean, but at the time of the year, okay, maybe. But in terms of tournament teams for the ACC, Duke, obviously, and I'd say Duke's the only team from the ACC. Maybe this is what people, and and myself included, are referring to when we say the ACC is having a down year. Because maybe in terms of bids, they're going to be at four to six. Where the ACC is really down this year is that top in talent and. I'd say Duke's really the only team that could win it all this year from the ACC. But again, Duke just lost to Florida State. So how good is really Duke? And, you know, maybe the ACC is better than we think. And again, it goes back to what I just said. Parity, parity, parity. There's there's going to be 15 to 20 teams that can win the tournament this year, and it's going to be awesome. You want to talk about a, a conference that does not have a lot of parity in life? <laughs> Well, well, let me let. Yes, I I do want to talk about that conference, but let me let me give the folks my tournament teams. Conference? I don't. We we don't. We 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 can really talk about the notable teams, and then we'll we'll bypass that conference altogether because I don't want to talk about them. Give me give me Duke as a as a two seed. I'm gonna have. North Carolina as a 10. Miami's going to Miami's going to be a 8 for now. I do foresee Miami potentially being a 6 seed. I have Florida State as a 9 as well. And give me give me Virginia Tech in as well at a at a 8. I mean, there's gonna there's gonna be, in conclusion, there's gonna be. I would ju- like, I would just go with the the four you said first. I would have UNC, yeah. and Florida State, and the eight nines. Miami probably has a seven. Right. And then well, you guess a two or a three. And also, I mean, 
I get it. We're, we're, we're recording this in January. So the folks up in Syracuse, New York, aren't really waking up right now. But Syracuse, first four in, first four out, they're a bubble team because, oh, well, duh. <laughs> Come on. You know, uh, death taxes and Syracuse being a bubble team and making a deep march run. But yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk about that conference to our West, the Pac-12. Yeah. Well, um, the only reason I watch this conference is to watch theirs in Wildcats play basketball because they play a great brand of basketball. Their first year coach Tommy Lloyd has really pulled this team together of a bunch of guys that don't have experience together mm-hmm. and. I just love the way they play basketball. They're athletic, yet they're fundamental. They play great team defense. They play great team offense. Yet they have individual scorers who can really take over for them and Ben Matherin and a couple other guys. And, man, I mean, Ben Matherin, I saw that night is going to be a lottery pick. I didn't realize he was that highly rated by NBA NBA prospects. Oh, yeah, he's good. He is so good. Their point guard is really good. They have these nice interchangeable wings slash post players that play great defense yet can handle the ball and can slash and cut and finish in the lane. And um, man, I, I love their team. I'm just I'm teams. just glad I can cheer for Arizona now that Sean Miller's gone. Oh, it's a lot more fun to cheer for. <laughs> it's it's a and the Sean Miller teams. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, Tommy Lloyd right now would be my coach of the year. I mean, I think he's doing an incredible job. With uh, None of these guys played that much together last year. I mean, these are newer guys on this team. He lost some guys in the transfer portal, obviously, with the coaching change. And they just play smart basketball. They just play smart fundamental basketball while also having a ton of talent and a ton of athleticism. And I love them. I mean, obviously, UCLA and USC are going to get in the tournament, I think, but not really excited about them. I don't think – I mean, UCLA has the talent. They have basically the same uh, team as last year, but don't I'm get me started on UCLA. the way they've played this year. They're going to get in. They're going to be a top four or five seed. So is USC. Not excited about the way USC has been playing either, who I thought going in the season was going to be one of my favorite teams. And um, so give me those three in the tournament. And then give me Oregon. I mean, it's hard to ignore Oregon with these back-to-back wins over UCLA and USC. And Dana Altman, you know, is not going to let It's them. Dana Altman. Right. Stan Altman, he's going to get them in the tournament. They're they're still only eleven and six. I mean, it really feels like they've played terribly, but they've won five straight after starting six and six. They're four and two in the conference, and man, the rest of this conference is really bad, and they can rack up a lot of wins. This I'm not. I don't want to talk about any other teams in this conference. I'm obvious, honestly. Well, I want to talk about Colorado just because Colorado plays. Arizona at home, February 26th. I'm definitely going to go to that game. They also play UCLA this weekend. I'm not going to go to that game. I, they also play USC at home on Thursday. Oh, do they? Ooh. That might be, that might be worth the travel. But my, my point is, I want to, I want to, I want to, you know, I mean, we've done, we've done fraud of the week. We, you know, we love calling teams frauds and they're not that good. I mean, I think in the social media age, that's everyone's favorite thing to say, oh, they're, this isn't that good. UCLA, are we sure they're good, Ben? No, I'm not sure that they're good. They don't look the, 
it's like a championship hangover without winning the championship. It's like the way they <laughs> lost has just lingered over their minds. And they don't play – they have all the same players, but they don't play the same basketball. Now, I will Making say, they, like a bunch of these Pac-12 teams, they had a very, very long COVID layoff, COVID pause. Well, and, yeah. But they weren't playing particularly well before that either. But I will give them a little benefit of the doubt. McCronin's a good coach. And I'm sure they'll be playing a lot better come March. But it's I'm hard to be playing any worse. I'm not excited about them. As I'm not going to put them in the national title pool. I'm not excited about them going. No, I, I think the only team, the only team that can win the, win the tournament in this in this league is uh, Arizona. Arizona is 14 and one, currently eighth in Ken Palm. Their one loss is, you know, it was to Tennessee on the road. I mean, that's that's all you got to say about Arizona. They they beat Illinois earlier in the year. They beat Michigan earlier in the year. They beat. Wichita State, they went up, yeah, at Illinois. They they played a tough non-con. They're they're a good team. I I'm gonna say Arizona's gonna Arizona's gonna be a one seed, and here's why. With the Pac-12 sucks. A lot of wins. <laughs> exactly. Because the they're going to have a lot of wins. I mean, outside of UCLA, Oregon, or USC. I'd bet my life they wouldn't lose a game to these other yeah. teams. I mean, they're just because of the way they play basketball. I mean, they play. I feel I feel bad for Arizona State. Arizona State's gonna be in for a world win, but yeah, I mean, Arizona's the only team that can win. Then I'd have UCLA and USC are both coming at five six. They're not. They're not good teams. I mean, oh no, I'm sorry. They're good teams. They're not great teams. They're fine. There's nothing dynamic about them. I mean, when no, I watch them no. play, they play good basketball. They do good fundamental things. They play good defense, but there's no, I don't know, there's no pop to them. Right. I mean, last year, last year you had USC with, with Evan Mobley, and and that was the that was the X factor, right? This year, you're real. You're saying, hey, Drew Peterson's gonna catch and shoot some corner threes. That's they great. Boogie Ellis, and they're trying to highlight Mo, uh, Evan's brother. Yeah, I, Isaiah. Him, but he just doesn't have all the same skill set. He's playing good, but he just – Yeah, Isaiah's a, Isaiah Mobley's a good college basketball player, though. I mean, he's not – they don't have that elite guy. And, and look, Ben and I don't like when college basketball only talks – like college basketball reporters and college people that color, cover college basketball only talk about the NBA angle of it. But – there is some element of that in order to be successful in March, for the most part, with the exceptions of your, your Loyola Chicago's, your BCU's, your George Mason's. To be successful in March, you do have to have that blue chip talent, and especially to win it all. I mean, there's there's a parallel to elite NBA talent and winning winning it all, right? But yeah, I mean, Oregon's going to be in that eight nine range. Yeah, I, I see. I see four teams. Four yeah, I see. I see four wins for this conference. I mean, four four bids for this conference. I don't. I don't foresee anything else. I don't. I don't want to talk about this conference anymore. Let's yeah. <laughs> let's close the tab and let's end on what a lot of. I don't want to say old heads because, but you know, maybe people that followed college basketball before I was even born, what they view college basketball as, the Big East. And earlier, earlier in the pod, I said when people think college basketball they they think the acc that's probably more people our age 
people over 50 think the Big East. Yeah, yeah. People over 45, 50, they think the Big East. What, what you got? Looking at this conference, this is one of the most interesting when you're talking about tournament teams. Oh, yeah. It always um, is. Man, I like I like three of these teams. No, I don't, I don't know. I like Connecticut as a team that might be able to make a run at a national title just because they are so deep, man. They throw so many athletes at you. They have a lot of guys who can score the basketball. Dan Hurley is just going to communicate with them. They're gonna, always going to be playing uh, decent defense. They're going to be in the right spots. They share the basketball really well. R.J. Cole is always going to keep the ball moving. And Sonogo is one of the big, best big men in the country. And I don't know. I, I have bias towards UConn. I just like this team, and I love their coach. And I don't know. I, I just feel like UConn can make a run. Villanova, man, I'm not excited about Villanova. I I know they're first in the conference. They're six and one. They beat all the teams they're supposed to beat. And I'm not taking that away from them. But man, some of these games they played earlier in the year, just that Tennessee game, even though they won, just didn't excite me. The UCLA game they played, we've seen UCLA is not that good. They didn't really excite me. They went to overtime, but I don't know, man. They don't provide the pop, especially in that Purdue game was evident. They don't provide the pop that you want to see to win these type of games. And then, they had these back-to-back games in December where they scored 36 points and a loss to Baylor and 59 points and a 20-point loss to Creighton. And I don't know, man. I just feel like they have that in them when they stop scoring the basketball. A guy like Colin Gillespie is really good, but, man, they rely on him way too much to create offense and to get his own shot. And he's really good, but I'm not sure he's that good. The team I really love in this conference for no, – I don't know what the reason it is is Xavier, man. I just feel like in March – you have to have guards, uh, experienced guards you can depend on. And they have, they have a lot of experienced guards they depend on, not to mention they're big guys who can stretch the floor and shoot threes and really help their guards in driving lanes. I thought they could have won that game against Villanova. They played a couple weeks ago. I thought they kind of got unlucky in the win that game. They couldn't make a shot in the second half. But, man, that, that trio of Kunkel and uh, Moore – and um, what's this other kid's name? Paul Scruggs and Kobe Jones. I mean, they have four or five guards who I know can shoot the basketball. I know can handle the basketball at the end of the game. I know who could shoot free throws. I trust them with the ball. And then Fremantle and Nunge are stretching it out. And they provide good, especially uh, Nunge provides good rim protection. And Fremantle can get really good rebounds. And I don't know. That's the team. That's, that was my sleeper team a couple weeks ago. And I really haven't changed on them. I like the way they play basketball. They you just have really good guards. You said, uh, you know, we did on the December 23rd episode, we did a Final Four draft just for fun, and, and two of your wild card picks were Xavier and Colorado State. So those were those were your wild card teams to potentially make a Final Four run. I'm off Colorado State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't moved off of Xavier, though. I have not moved this off of Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, one of mine, one of mine was UCLA, and oh, I mean, yeah. they, 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 <laughs> I'm all the way off on them, so we're even. In terms of tournament teams, man, this this conference is hard to predict. I mean, obviously you're gonna have Villanova, Providence, Xavier, Connecticut. I think those guys are gonna be in, but between Marquette, Creighton, St. John's, and Seton Hall, it's hard to predict which of these teams are gonna get hot in this conference and get enough wins to get into the tournament. 
Right now, I would say Marquette. Oh, man, Marquette. I'd give I'd give Marquette the nod because the non-con wins against West Virginia and Illinois. Yeah, and and Kansas well State. I just I just like what Shaka Smart's doing. Right, they're really well coached. Did, Jones, just because of the scoring talent they have, they just have so much scoring talent. It's hard to deny them. I have no idea what to do with Creighton or Seton Hall. Yeah, I I have Creighton Hall out. I, I don't have Creighton Hall in. I I think Creighton Hall is going to start to stack the losses if you would um the the big east is brutal i i get you know people aren't getting closed line in the lane so it's not it's not what some of you want but the big east is a damn good college basketball conference it's and it's probably like what the the fourth best conference you know i mean it's better than the acc it's better than the back 12 sitting in eighth right now and they have a home win against texas Right. Nobody wants to go into Seton Hall and play them. Nobody wants to go into Creighton and play. All these places also have great home environments and great fan bases, and yeah. all these places are scary to play. I, I'm not. I'm not sold on Villanova either. They're they're currently third in Ken Palm, which is kind of surprising, and I think that has a lot That's to do with defense. it has a lot to do with one their defense, but it their offense is very high as well. I mean, they're seventh in, in adjusted offensive efficiency, thirteenth in adjusted defensive efficiency. But to me, it has a lot to do with the fact that they lost to UCLA and they lost to Purdue and they lost to Baylor. And all those are viewed as quote unquote great losses. But when you only score 36 points at Baylor, that's that's not a good that's not a good loss. Scoring 36 points is never good. And, you know, I mean, you're spot on. They beat the teams they're supposed to beat, which they've currently won. Six. They've won six straight games in the Big East, which is no small task. But that's after losing to Creighton, which again, that's not it. That's not a good loss. No. Do you foresee what, what what happened last year in this conference that was interesting? Was Georgetown kind of spoiled the party? I mean, it was it was definitely a celebration. I mean, who doesn't love Patrick Ewing? We're very happy for him, especially after John Thompson's passing. That that happened. That happened kind of coincided together, right? Or or am I misremembering that? No, they did. Okay. Yeah. But do you foresee maybe a, a, a bid steal here? Because I think Seton out of Hall, all. Uh, yeah, I always go to Seton Hall immediately. And I said they weren't going to make the tournament. But man, they can beat any of these teams. St. John's, if they're not in at the time, yeah. they can just score. I mean, when you can score in this conference, you can do a lot of things because some of these teams have trouble scoring at times, especially when we think about Villanova or Providence. Uh, you know, you know, how cool it is on the score. Georgetown, not this year, but they're not. <laughs> no, no. Paul, I liked how they were playing early, but man, uh, I thought that their offense was really going to keep it up through this big, uh, big East schedule. And now they scored ninety-six points against Seton Hall, but I don't know, man. I, I'm not, I'm not as high on DePaul yet. But my eyes immediately go to St. John's, who could absolutely play that spoiler role. I love, I love Providence. Um, I think, I think Providence is definitely going to be in. What, what seed would you give Providence? Um, I would give Villanova probably. A I'd say Villanova's three a three or a four. Three seed. I give Providence probably a five seed. Xavier around there five six, and Connecticut around there five six. Yeah, I'd say I'd say I Providence. Like Providence just seems to be a seven ten. I, I that just seems the kind of game that you're going to see on your bracket as a seven ten. Xavier's just a six eleven game. 
give me. I should change. Give me. Answer. Give me Connecticut as like a three. I think Connecticut is a what? conference. I think Connecticut goes on a run and wins. This wow. Okay. And and I think on Selection Sunday, there that Auburn win is going to loom very large. That's the that's kind of the the trump card for Connecticut, right? That that Auburn win. They're twelve and four right now. Their loss their losses are to West Virginia, Michigan State, Providence, Seton Hall. All those teams could probably make the tournament. Would you agree with that? I mean, I, I think I think that's a safe assumption. Their best wins are to Auburn in double overtime. So doesn't pretty good win. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, you still won. And then VCU and St. Bonaventure and Marquette. Those are those are some quality wins. And and the style that they play is is perfect for for March. I mean they have they have their big time guards in Tyrese Martin who can absolutely fill it up from deep. They have RJ Cole who he I love RJ Cole. He can get to the rim with the best of them. That's that's my big thing with with him. I, I wish his free throw rate reflected a little bit more of that, but he doesn't turn the ball over. Only a thirteen point five, only a thirteen point three percent turnover rate, which is very low in the country. And he, you know, he he's shooting eighty eight percent from the line. Like I said, I wish he got to the line more. He's had seventy seven attempts overall and shooting thirty four percent from deep. But his his cohort, his partner in crime, Tyrese Martin, you know, forty percent from three on thirty attempts for the year, and he can he can really fill it up. He's he's a special kind of player, um, and. It all it all kind of runs through uh, the big fella in the middle, Adoma Sinoga. He's he's a tank man. His block percentage he's at eight point seven block percentage on the year. That's again, you know, fifth top fifty in the country, top fifty offensive rebound percentage. He's he's a very good player. I will say it's kind of a stats kind of lie little thing because I do wish he played better defense. He is good at rim protecting, but. Sometimes when guys get him on the block, he's not the best at actually defending the bucket. And um, I wish he would play better on defense. But, yeah, that that, that is the one thing. That's their matchup nightmare going to be against a lot of teams that they play in March. I mean, not a lot of guys have a guy who can guard Sunogo. But the, the thing I love about UConn, man, they have nine guys who can just really play basketball. I mean, all these guys can really play basketball and they can really shoot – Whenever they had their injury problems a couple of weeks ago, and they had, I believe, Martin out and uh, Whaley out for a couple of games. This, uh, what's this dude's first name? This a cook a cook guy, just came in and started playing. He played unbelievable and made some really good uh, three point shots, and he stayed in the rotation since. And I just love their team. I mean, they got Tyler Polly, who is a lights out shooter. I just love how deep they are, how many athletes they can throw at you, and then they have RJ Cole and Sonogo who can be matchup problems for a lot of teams. Right, and and to you know to kind of speak on how much of a matchup problem Sonogo is, LSU fans, you remember Walker Kessler, how how much of a handful he was inside. Remember that Sonogo had a nice thirty piece against Walker Kessler. Again, I get it, double OT, but still thirty points is thirty points. I don't I don't care how you do it. But yeah, out of out of that conference, I mean, Connecticut probably could win, win it all. Villanova could probably win it all. Um, that's that's probably the the two that I would really highlight. 
I said I said no Nova can give me Xavier. I'm gonna name it with this Xavier team. Okay. Okay. Uh, you think you think Xavier could win it over Villanova? I think Xavier all right. Could win it all. all right, you wanna wrap up the big east and go into our uh Yeah, let's let's go into uh yeah, we're gonna do a mid mid major player of the week and a mid major team of the week, and we're gonna do a power six player of the week and a power six team of the week. So Ben, why don't you take us off first? Well, I kind of cheated a little bit, but uh, okay. for my power six player of the week, I did Drew Timmy because I assumed we we were gonna lump in Gonzaga with all these with all these teams. Why not? I mean, because I was looking it over, and then I looked at Drew Timmy, thirty-two and eight in a W versus Santa Clara, thirty and five in a W versus BYU. Shot eighty-four percent from the field in those two games combined. Right. I mean, Pretty unreal. I know those teams aren't the best teams, but those are not bad teams either. Santa Clara and BYU can play some mm-hmm. really good basketball. They ran both of them off the floor. Uh, and then my team of the week, I couldn't ignore Oregon, man. I mean, after struggling out the gates, they come out with five straight wins, both on the road at UCLA and USC. I will say California, no fans. But still impressive for two teams who are supposed to be two of the best teams in the conference. And they're square on the bubble now already, and they have plenty of time to improve their resume. My team of the week is going to be Oregon as well because of of what you just highlighted. Their their backs were pretty much against the wall. To to get both of those huge wins like that, that is that is big time. I mean, it probably I don't want to I don't want to over exaggerate, but. I'm gonna go ahead and over exaggerate. It probably saved your season, right? I mean, if they don't if they don't get those wins, they probably don't win. Um, and in my player of the week, as as much as it's gonna kill me, and and maybe I am a little bit biased with, with saying this, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to to JD Note. Um, that that was a big win for Arkansas. When you when you look at Arkansas's best win before that game. It was either Kansas State or Cincinnati to go into LSU and beat LSU after losing to Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Texas A&M, Oklahoma. I mean, pretty much every quality team that you've played up until this point, you have lost to. J.D. Note with huge, big-time threes at the end of the game. And the the thing that really – the reason I want to give it to him – and again, this is more of me watching that game than anything. In college basketball, so many times a player gets into foul trouble and they'll disappear from the game. They they don't, they're not nearly as aggressive, they're not nearly as assertive in the game. But JD Note, he gets in foul trouble. And what does he do? He hits arguably the biggest three outside the game with 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 Williams, with a Williams three, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna give him, I'm gonna show him some love, show our Razorback fans some love. But yeah. My mid-major team of the week is going to be where my mid-major player of the week resides. And I'm going to remind the folks of Ben believing that Belmont's the superior team in the Ohio Valley Conference. They're not. It is the Murray State Racers. And Murray State, with a huge win against Belmont, they absolutely kicked their ass. But the guy I want to highlight, I mean, I, I highlighted him earlier in the year when we did our Ohio Valley Conference preview who is on my tournament team and that's their that's their point guard justice hill that no not the running back justice hill he had 
36 points against Belmont. He was 8 of 11 from 3. Pretty good. If you're 8 of 11 from 3, you're doing something right. And this Murray State team, do you think they could get to a single-digit seed? You know, is that is that is that possible? Maybe they could slip into a nine seed, but um, I don't know, man. That's it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough for them, just because outside of Belmont, they're not gonna get a ton of resume building wins in that conference. But I mean, their I mean, best win—they have the Memphis win, right? Yeah. And they're they're they have two losses to this point. They're they're bad losses, Eastern Tennessee, which you kind of have to hope. It's gonna be a really bad loss. You know, you have to hope that. Eastern Tennessee does well in in the SoCon, but they beat Chattanooga, who's probably going to win the SoCon. So, okay, that makes sense. That that's college basketball for you, right? But then their other losses was to Auburn. I mean, to only lose to be a team in the Ohio Valley Conference and to go to Auburn and only lose by thirteen that that says a lot of of what kind of a program and what kind of a team Murray State is. So, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're they're you know. A, if they're a 12 seed, God, you know, God bless them. I, I, I pray for that five seed. And also, I would probably estimate that 75% of brackets are going to have that Murray State uh, upset, right? I mean, they have, they, they just, they can, they can come at you in so many different ways with, with Justice Hill, Tevin Brown, KJ Williams. They, they really, they're really something. They're, they're an impressive team. So, I want to I want to give Murray State some love, and also I want to draw you know I mean a few weeks ago Ben I talked about the Atlantic Sun right, and I highlighted Murray I, I highlighted Liberty sorry I highlighted Liberty. Well, my my stat of the day is that in terms of women and college basketball wins, LSU's top of the list right now of thirty two. Third is Liberty with twenty seven. So not only is Liberty building up their men's basketball program. Not only is Liberty building up their football program, a few freeze, but Liberty is also building up a women's basketball powerhouse. So, you know, shout out to the folks in Lynchburg. Liberty's coming on strong. All right. Uh, my mid-major player of the week is going to be, even though I did want to shout out an honorable mention to um, Darius McGee from Liberty, because I believe he had 43 points in the win but, against right. You could have just said, you could have just said Darius McGee played basketball. I, I didn't even know he had but, 43. Uh, I mean, you know he's going to have. I honestly thought you were going to pick him, so I went with Orlando Robinson, the big man from Fresno. Had a big 25-11 and 11 game in the win versus UNLV, and then had a monster 31-12-4 and four assist game in the W against San Jose State. Also hit a three-pointer each game. The seven-foot, 235-pound center from – Vegas, man, there's just not a lot of players in his conference that can guard him. And he's so big. He's so physically dominating. And he's really – Fresno doesn't really have a lot of offensive options. And he's really dragging them along to getting some of these wins. And they're shaping up to be pretty good in conference right now. Now, I say that, but – and they're down 10 points to Utah State at half. But I don't know. Darius McGee had 48, 48 against yeah. – FGCU on the road in a 78 to 75 win. I mean, he needed every single bit of that 48 points. Mm-hmm. Eight of 14 from three. But I want to pick out Orlando Robinson because there's just not a lot of centers in the country that are doing the things he's doing the way he's doing it at that size. 
And then my uh, my team of the week is going to be the Oakland Grizzlies, a team that, man, has turned it completely around, coming off three straight losing seasons. This year, they are 7-0 and in their con- – they were 10-10 and last year in their conference. This year, they're off to a 7-0 and starting conference. They had a big midweek game last week against Cleveland State, who's another perennial power in the Horizon League. Got a huge 70-65 to win on the road. Followed it up with a 76-68 to win at Purdue-Fort Wayne, who's another top four or five team in the Horizon. And just got to shout out Jamal Kane. The Marquette transfer has come over. You know, he's a six foot seven wing slash post player. He kind of does both. He's got almost 20 points a game and almost 10 rebounds a game, shooting 51% from the field, 82% from the free throw line. And they've really taken a stranglehold on the horizon now. Uh, that win against Cleveland State is going to be huge all season for them. And, I mean, no one, no one could have seen this coming. They were almost an automatic fade in every single better's eyes the last couple of years, the way they've played. They went – 16 and 17 in 2018 2019. They went 14 and 19 in 2019 2020. And then last year they went 12 and 18. And this year they have turned around. They are currently sitting 7 and 0 in conference and 13 and 4 overall. And um, they also have a win at Oklahoma State. And their losses are to Alabama, West Virginia. And there's one more loss there in there. Uh, Bowling Green at Bowling Green. But the turnaround this program has gone on this year is, I mean, it's kind of unbelievable. And Jamal Caney's been leading it. Yeah. Any Anything else you want to tell our listeners before we go? No, that's it. I'm excited for this OSU basketball game tomorrow. Yeah. feel like it could go a bunch of different ways. <laughs> I would be surprised if your team won by 15 to 20 points. Yeah. I mean, really, it wouldn't be that surprising to me. I mean – not a really bunch of other good games tomorrow. is kind of the marquee game of the slate. And so a lot of eyes will be in Tuscaloosa. I was, uh, I'll say this. I was a bit surprised that LSU didn't drop as much as they did. And, and to me, that is a good sign. It shows that maybe the AP poll is starting to realize that the SEC is a strong basketball conference because I was a little worried when they lost that game that maybe they, they plummet down down to like the, you know late teens maybe even 20 um so i was that was that was a good sign that they stayed at 13 but this is this well, the, is a big game for them there was a lot of uh, highly ranked teams that lost over the weekend so I think that is true that is true i was kind of irked that they put kentucky ahead of lsu yeah yeah um the, the thing about kentucky i'll 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 add is Denzel Mims last year was the guy, and you thought this year maybe he was going to be able to continue to be the guy. However, he struggled early, but he's starting to come on strong. And, I mean, if they have Ty Ty Washington, Xavier Wheeler, Kellen Grady, him, Oscar Schwebe, they're going to they're gonna be a tough outcome, March, as much as I hate to say it. I think Kentucky's kind of come into form here, and I wouldn't be surprised if they even get up to a two seed. But right now I'd say they're a three, four seed. I'd be kind of surprised they got up to a two seed. I just think they'd, – they'd, they'd, they'd have to win the tournament. Yeah, the they'd, they'd have to involve an Auburn win. Oh, I mean, 
yeah, we're not going to talk about Auburn anymore. But yeah, I hope. I yeah, this you think this is a Auburn basketball podcast? But do you uh, do you want to commit to maybe doing a post game reaction pod tomorrow night? Yeah, we'll put up a post a shorter, way shorter than this. Yes, uh, it'll be a way shorter post game reaction pod. Um, thanks for listening. It's pretty much our first official episode because now the microphones actually work, and you don't have to listen to uh, creepy breathing. Bear with us through any audio constraints but we're working on it and we appreciate you for listening until next time see ya